0: Thank you so much for bearing with me, because I know we were meant to do this every long oh, time. Oh
1: no, not at all. I've been excited this whole time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is good sustaining excitement. <laughs> Hello, my name's Em Anderson and this is Unfinishing. It's a podcast about projects that didn't get finished or that have never been made public. I'm just popping up at the start of this episode this time to say that I'm always on the lookout for new guests. So if you have an unfinished or unpublished project that you'd like to talk about, I'd really love it if you sent me a message. You can email me at unfinished.unpublished at gmail.com. And that's the public announcement bit over with. My guest for this episode did such a lovely job of recording her own introduction when we spoke that I'm going to hand straight over to her.
1: Hello, I'm Sophie Taylor. I'm a writer and visual artist from Newcastle originally, London-based now, fairly new to the poetry world. Since starting to write poetry properly about three years ago, I've been published a few times, but today... I'm going to talk about a collection that I don't want to publish.
0: Okay, um, so if we just start off, I think, with talking about how you feel about unfinished things in general. Um, yes. So you mentioned that you're relatively new to poetry, but I wondered like, if you had a lot of unfinished poetry or if you had other pre-poetry oh, yeah. projects that were unfinished.
1: Hundreds. Yeah. I mean, it's just, there's like... I, was thinking about this there's I had bin bags and like toy chests <laughs> full of um before oh, wow. computer days when I was little from a really young age I used to write yeah. um, and quickly turned from prose to poetry and mm-hmm. it was something I would never think about publishing it was always a private thing mm. and something that I used as a tool to to just process stuff basically to either escape reality or just deal with it it was definitely just for me (laughs) (laughs) and not something I wanted out there but yeah it's the amount of unfinished projects is insane which is something I used to struggle with but recently I kind of thought it's okay to Mm -hmm. have it as something that you're just using as a tool almost like therapy I guess Um, Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be put out there but yeah yeah loads <laughs> <laughs> definitely
0: and is that uh, a mixture of of prose of poetry of, of art as well or
1: oh yeah definitely I think it's just it's it's if it's in you to make it I think you just do it mm. regardless and I I'm one of those people who definitely needs a deadline I know a lot of people <laughs> <are> like that <laughs> I work so. very last minute yeah right to the bone so I have to give myself, if I if I want to put something out there, it's like I have to give myself a really strict deadline. Otherwise, I'll just never stop tweaking it, which could just go on forever. Because I think I never have an audience in mind. It's always just either for myself or just one other person. Or it's like to make mm. my friend laugh or, you know, it's like a some kind of love poetry. You just want one person to read it. So it's yeah. it's strange to imagine it then things that are quite intimate to be, to be published can be quite terrifying. (laughs) So yeah, it helps to have that deadline.
0: (laughs) So then, well, there's a few, there's a few things to come back on there, I think, but so then you mentioned about constantly kind of tinkering with something, unless you have a deadline. So is it the case that for your work, it's sort of unfinished, but then the deadline means that it has to go somewhere regardless of what state it's in, or is there a point where you think, yes, I'm happy it is finished?
1: I think yeah there's never going to be a point where it's finished. Yeah. So for me it the yeah there there definitely has to be someone over my shoulder whether it's <laughs> another yeah. version of myself who happens to be really strict or <laughs> an actual publisher that's going, "Come on." Yeah, it's just always been I guess a private process. Mm-hmm. Um and only recently has it been something that's that had an audience, which is a really strange feeling <laughs> for years doing it um Privately, yeah to suddenly putting things out there is it's such a strange feeling, yeah. the idea of something being finished is just I don't know if anything ever is, it's weird, mm. unless I guess it's um, getting someone else involved to edit. <laughs> That's probably the best thing to do.
0: So almost kind of giving it an audience makes it more final.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it will change it as well. I think what's really helped me has um, something I never thought of doing until recently was going to open mic nights for poetry and spoken words. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and then because what I choose to perform is always very different to something I would want published because it's always mm. a lot shorter, snappier. Mm. I'm thinking of trying to entertain, um, keep things maybe a bit lighter, more humorous, which is, isn't necessary, mm. but it, um, it really informs my work just seeing an audience and their reaction.
0: So that's interesting that you like to keep things lighter or more humorous when it's mm. when it's a performance. You know why that is? Is that because to get the audience reaction of a laugh is like a, <laughs> yeah. is that like a nice feeling? Or
1: that is paramount. No, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, the whole purpose for me to um, to use poetry and things in writing to, is is to process stuff in, in my life, mm. and usually things that are quite hurtful or tragic. Um, Mm. and to give it as soon as I've found the humor in it, that's when I know that I've dealt with it and I'm, I'm happy again. Mm. So it's almost like, um, like I've healed, (laughs) I've turned it, I've given it a little, I always have to give something a tiny little bit of a joke right at the end. Even if it's quite a dark piece, there needs to be a laugh somewhere, (laughs) I think. Um, And I think not necessarily for the audience, but definitely for myself.
0: You said as well that it was relatively recently that you, you did start making things public, and that yes, before that or maybe even still, the idea of that was a bit terrifying, a bit scary. Mm. So why, if you don't mind me asking, why <laughs> did that change <laughs> come about?
1: I don't know. Why am I doing it to <laughs> myself? I think um, I, I got tired of just doing it in the dark. Mm. <laughs> sort of it's like an echo chamber, and then and then I I think it's boring to talk about it, but lockdown became even more isolated and there's even less of a interaction going on and i really that's when i found star and shadow cinema for example yeah that community of, of creative people and just trying to connect with people more i guess it's because of that it sounds ridiculous and pretentious but it, honestly that's all i just was lonely i think and it is that thing of feeling like you're in an echo chamber and just if i'm creating why why am i doing it and actually it is for other people really as well as for me. And I, it's not so much for feedback, I guess, but just to feel a part of something other than just yeah. me in a little book somewhere in a room.
0: <laughs> that does not sound ridiculous or pretentious in the slightest. <laughs> like, that sounds wonderful. If you want the context over lockdown, there was an incident when I got ridiculously emotional when I was outside for a walk and spoke to cats like
1: (laughs) yeah it was a weird time (laughs) yeah it was a weird time oh my goodness that's so sweet what was the was the cat overwhelmed as well
0: (laughs) I like to think so yeah
1: (laughs) thank you oh that's nice I was lucky I had a dog I've still oh fantastic um Wilma who's um my saving grace because I was living on my own at the time yeah but yeah, yeah I know oh god I know that feeling yeah
0: and has, and has, so you mentioned that performing poetry will change a little bit what you, what you do with it. Yeah. But is it the case that when you're writing the poetry, if you have, if you know that it might go somewhere, that if you know that it's mm. going to be published, then that, that makes a difference.
1: Oh gosh. Yes. Um, yeah. recently I was going through a breakup mm. and as I normally do processed it through writing, I wrote yeah. this awful long I mean, it was the ramblings of a mad woman. And for some reason, I had this urge to send it to a publisher who is, it's good press, who do, you know, they do the paper, which is an open call for submissions. And it's like first come, first served. They will publish yeah. it. Yeah. So there was this strange urge in me to publish this awful piece of <laughs> passioned writing. I sent it off the first draft. You know, I'd just written it and sent it. Yeah. And then the next day, I reread it and thought, oh my God. So I, I sent an edited version the next day, had no response. And then about a week later, I was like, oh God, that's awful. <laughs> and then I re edited it about four times. And the poor editor eventually got back to me about four weeks later. And she was like, you missed the deadline. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but, you know, maybe try for next month or something. I just thought, I have missed. I have dodged a bullet there it was the most awful piece of writing so I was really glad (laughs) it wasn't published (laughs) but yeah just that funny urge to kind of get something out there I think it's almost like trying to get some kind of control Mm. We just feel a bit more in control of your emotions in a way I suppose
0: yeah (laughs) that's interesting so and is it so it's actually the process of publishing as well as the process of writing that Mm. gives that sense of control
1: yeah, then it feels like it's a real thing once it's out there. I guess it's also for other people to to process it as well. Mm-hmm. There was um, a poetry workshop I did last year. Yeah, I've never I'd never done one before. I've never done like writing courses or anything like that, so I didn't know how it was going to work. But there was this process of basically you would put a poem in the Google Doc, and the other writers would read it, and then mm-hmm. the following week would comment and talk about it and I didn't realize this was how the critiques would work but it's the the writer isn't allowed to talk
0: <laughs> yeah, right, and I okay. don't
1: know if that's yeah I don't know if that's um commonplace that you're sort of not allowed to explain what mm. it's about which but it really helped because you can't you don't really have that luxury in life People will be reading what they read into it and you're not there to explain. So it has the work has to speak for itself. And that really threw me because a lot of my stuff is kind of masked and full of metaphors and things. And they got it completely wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that was going to be my question, like, how yeah. close was it? So
1: <laughs> off. Um but they'd taken it in quite a light way and went mm. funny with it rather than the the reason it would have worked is because the subject matter is very dark but I'd yeah. gone funny with the with the poem itself yeah so there's an element of knowing of knowledge underneath it that yeah I have to think about that more and think about an audience I guess that helps to to write better I guess mm-hmm. and not assume <laughs> know what you're talking about
0: And how did that feel? I imagine that's quite a a really strange experience to have written something that you Mm. are quite clear about the meaning of, especially (laughs) if it's personal and then to have other people interpret it entirely differently.
1: Yeah, it's so personal (laughs) as well. And I think that's something I've learned is that I will do a lot of masking and layering Mm. um, because I'll write about things that are incredibly intimate and scary and that have been hurtful or whatever and and, and sort of mask it with humour and and it's actually then the delivery kind of lost a bit so yeah I learned a lot from that but it was <laughs> pretty disconcerting just hearing mm. a group of people yeah but it, that's that's how you develop I guess yes
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting that you said that about kind of masking because another poet who I've uh, recently interviewed for this podcast Rishi Dastadar spoke mm. about oh yeah yeah he he spoke about encoding himself he was talking about a project he did about facebook statuses that he'd written and he said that he he was kind of in some of them his kind of personal life was encoded in there and that part of it it's been a while since i did the interview but from what i remember mm-hmm. part of it was almost like daring someone to uncode it
1: oh nice and then there's an element of care there as well. It's like, do you really want to know me and what I'm writing about? Are you just going to take it on face value? Are you going to look into it? Are you going to ask yeah. me? Yeah, it's like daring someone to get to know you better. Mm. Whereas really, you kind of don't have that luxury. Like I say, with writing stuff, you just have to you just have to put it out there, and people will translate it in different ways.
0: So I think we've covered quite well, sort of general topics of unfinishing and not publishing things so if we could move on I think to talk about your unfinished poems more specifically the ones uh, that we've kind of discussed via email are AI inspired based I'm not sure how to describe them (laughs) yeah but maybe maybe you could just explain a little bit about them and and how you put them together
1: yeah so the collection I even gave it a title which is weird because I never wanted it to be published Mm but I sort of, I like branded it almost. I, like get, I had um, visuals and, and all sorts. It's called Deep False, and it's based on a series of emails, uh, voice notes, and police interview questions from um, around the time I went through a sort of harassment, revenge porn case, um, yeah. and then fed that all that data into an online text generator. And this AI robot produced these poems this collection of verse in response and I guess again it's that thing we're talking about masking it was like a filter to put through all that sort of trauma it was a bit too intense mm. otherwise so I needed it was like I needed a way through <laughs> which was a computer yeah. that has no emotions and so it wasn't so raw and it was just a way for me to deal with i guess to also get some kind of control back mm. over the situation where you feel vulnerable and you, mm. and there's a big loss of control and it really helped i would i would recommend doing it with with anything because the stuff that comes out is really i mean it just you can't help but laugh mm. and it's almost like the way i look at it is it reminds me of talking to my nephew Mm-hmm. Who is um his first language is Spanish, his English is incredible, but he but he will still there's still that slight language barrier um and if I'm trying to explain something to him or he's trying to explain something to me, even just the slightest change in grammatical you know sentence structure or anything like that it just becomes this it can become more magical, I think the way mm. that he describes. Things to me, (laughs) Um, and that's the way I feel about the text generators. Is it's sort of like a a child, like it's quite innocent and and actually gets to the heart of what I'm trying to say, and it feels more truthful, which is weird because it's false. It's artificial intelligence. I just love using it, and and the stuff that it was coming up with was I'm just trying to think of examples, but it was like it was started to mimic me and the way that Mm. I speak.
0: Interesting. Okay. But to begin with, yeah, which is yeah. odd.
1: And then it started instead of just mimicking, it started trying to give me advice. Oh <laughs> okay. It turned into like yeah, like um like a Agony Ant, which was fun. Mm. And it was telling me there's one there's one poem called And for that matter ice cream cake. And it's basically <laughs> saying if you want to feel better and you want to have a fun time with your friends, you know, it's sort of really <laughs> light and innocent and just saying Go and eat some ice cream cake, basically. Good advice. (laughs) Yeah, good advice, which is also quite odd because, I don't know, just ice cream cake in itself is an odd thing to come up with. But, um, Mm. yeah, I just loved it and it really helped me um, get through something that felt quite dark and lonely. Mm. And then suddenly it was sort of like there was this weird friend (laughs) (laughs) who was helping
0: me get through a vulnerable spot. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking about kind of masking and, and coding and and, and mm-hmm. those kind of personal elements that then get filtered through poetry, I wonder when the AI was generating this text and, and giving you advice, to what extent do you think it was an AI giving you advice and to what extent <laughs> do you think it was you being able to kind of produce patterns from it if that if that makes sense or or produce your own advice from it
1: yes exactly it's like that thing of reading you can read into anything can't you yeah and especially I think when you're when you're particularly vulnerable when you've when you're going through something crap that's mm. when you start to see patterns yourself a bit like a machine learner mm. a bit like a neural network in, in your own way you're sort of like reading into things and seeing signs and and it's as if there's someone out there trying to help you, but actually it's just, yeah, it's just from you. It's just your own brain trying to survive through something. It wasn't a robot trying to give me advice. <laughs> <laughs> it was me all along. It was a bit like, um, I guess, therapy as well. as like that sometimes when the therapist is literally just listening and then yeah. repeats back what you've just said and you go, oh, my God, yes, you're right. Mm.
0: Repeating it back, I suppose, in a really... Odd way, Unex- yeah, odd- yeah, unexpected. unexpected. Yeah. Kind of, yeah, it's yeah. exactly
1: that's the unexpected, which I love. In that's like my favorite bit of in comedy, I guess is is unexpected, surreal, odd things. Mm. Um, and and it sort of it also reminds me of like when robots try to make jokes, and they obviously they don't <laughs> understand the nuance of human humor, but yeah. it's it actually turns out ironically quite funny. Yeah, things that they come out with, or, or it's also a bit like um, when kids exactly, make jokes. yeah, yeah, like that Twitter account. Kids write jokes. They're, yeah. they're always the best ones.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like you were saying about your nephew, isn't it? It's the same. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. There's a kind of childlike quality. To, yeah, the
1: rawness of it and the yeah. unexpected. And it just takes you off guard. And I think that's what I really want to create with my work is that feeling it's very difficult to do. Mm. But if you can try to get rid of all the um, the pretension, I suppose, and all the, the unfortunate context that comes with being an adult and creating mm. something, you know, you're always trying, I suppose, to without realising it to be like someone else or to write like someone else or... Yeah. So it's nice if you can just be as raw as possible. Have you, have you read The Tiger by that six-year-old? I don't think I have. Oh, my goodness. It's the best thing I've ever read. <laughs> I think it went viral. It was basically um, this six-year-old called Nile. Um, I'm going to live Google this. Oh, it's called The Tiger. Yeah. And it's really short. And it's just, it, it, it's something I would always aim for, but I will never achieve because <laughs> I'm an adult. And it's just never gonna happen. It's the best thing I've ever ever read. And again, it's that thing of like really projecting. and There's all these people projecting their ideas onto it and things. And he himself has just said, "I just, I'm, I just wrote a poem
0: about a tiger. <laughs> it's <laughs> fine." <laughs> have you found oh, it? I think, I think I might have it. I've got, a, I've got an article about it. Oh no. Oh, I do have it. I, I found it. Okay, good. <laughs> um so it's called the tiger and it's by Nile nael n-a-e-l age six and it's quite short <laughs> and it goes the tiger he destroyed his cage yes yes the tiger is out yes. it's brilliant it's yes. fantastic the second yes is a capital letters <laughs> yes that's the main bit <laughs> that's very beautiful it is isn't it yeah. and it's
1: hard to explain why I don't know. I find it hard. You just immediately, I don't know, just get it. <laughs> okay. Well, having read out
0: uh, the tiger poem, <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a vague link because the poem that you were thinking of reading out today is called "Virtual Athletic Animals."
1: Yes. <laughs> which again is I didn't come up with that. <laughs> it was the computer, which it was it was either going to be deep false or virtual athletic animals. If if I was going to publish it. Mm. And this one actually was, (laughs) because I loved it so much, I sent it in to Wax9 Publishing. Virtual Athletic Animals Camera Naked to the background Captures Virtual Athletic Animals Camera Senses their sounds off And makes them popular With no need to be hosted on any other site I am Virtual Athletic Animal saying please stop calling on the house phone dad has had to unplug it and google what revenge
0: porn means it's fantastic thank you very (laughs) much it's gorgeous so i guess obvious kind of start question for that is how was that produced to what extent is it is it entirely ai generated or is it did you arrange the phrases how did it come about
1: so mostly it's the ai up until it's when it says, I am virtual athletic animals saying, and then I've put in the last bit (laughs) because I always have a little joke in. But um, the first (laughs) bit is completely, I didn't edit it. And it also came up with the the way it's structured, the way it's written out. That's amazing. Which is odd, yeah. And it just, it really helps um, because I would never have thought of something like that. And the phrase virtual athletic animals... (laughs) you You kind of want to explore it more work out what that means, who they are, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I like the idea that it's saying, "I am one, the sort of the person who's in the videos or the or the photos you know in mm-hmm. in the in the revenge born case. it's mm-hmm. sort of giving them power, saying they're you know athletic and an animal mm-hmm. and, um virtual as well. there's something nice about the fact that it's it's not real,
0: mm-hmm.
1: really. So, yeah, it just made me feel empowered somehow. Mm. You know, sort of, yeah, that really helped.
0: <laughs> it feels like quite an energetic yes. poem.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, w- which is the opposite of how I felt. You sort of feel crushed mm. by that kind of thing. And, and mm. yeah, your energy is completely taken away. And, you, yeah, you just sort of don't know what to do. Whereas, whereas that, yeah, exactly, it gives you power and energy. Which is what you need to get over something. (laughs) Once you find your anger, then you can, yeah,
0: power through. And I was interested in the movement in the poem. It's interesting that you said that the final stanza had your additions, Mm. because I was really fascinated by the way that the first couple of stanzas seem more impersonal than suddenly the final stanza. Yeah, starting with the "I am," it becomes Mm -hmm. domestic and. lower tech
1: yeah definitely that's and again that the um the ai came up with that it it was starting with camera and then it decided to go with i am Mm. and that prompted me to then put in my own little bit at the end but yeah it's funny you say analog actually because what happened in itself was actually quite funny um in the end because it was it Mm. was a very analog old school version of of revenge porn in in that it was um it was the the photos printed out on a piece of white paper from an office printer.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> and it was written, you know, like that old school sort of like, call this number, you know, mm. and my name and everything. And and then a photo was taken of that and then set, that was sent in an email. Mm. So it was sort of like that that funny old way of doing it where you post it on a lamppost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, and the caption that went with it in the email was saying, you know, this is going to be all over Hackney in London and... Mm and Newcastle, I think, just decided right. on yeah. a few cities. But it's just that interesting feeling of, yeah, like going, going back in time a little bit, but it's yeah. um, but it's actually a more modern contemporary problem. It's like a digital, mm. with the digital age, it's so rife. I think it's happening to so many people, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, low tech or not low tech, that sounds... Oh yeah, completely horrible and <laughs> I'm really horrible. sorry that that happened <laughs>
1: yeah it was um it was attempted but it um but yeah my dad he he'd called on the literally on the house phone to get yeah. through to my dad and then had left a, a message to say what he'd done Right. Um, and to sort of apologise for it, and and he had no idea in the first place, and also didn't know what he meant by revenge porn, so he was right. genuinely having to Google it and oh then ask gosh. me, and my heart just sank when I realised, oh my goodness, don't involve my dad. I can imagine.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. There's kind of something not funny but absurd, I suppose. Absurd. About- That's
1: exactly it. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you re- you can step back and see that, then it's um, then you're golden. But um, mm-hmm. I think before that point, you just feel like you're ooh, you're just sort of yeah. floating in custard. Like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah, that, and I think that's the the whole point of revenge porn is to is to take away your power and make you feel like that. So yeah. it's nice to flip it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: Yeah, and the poem does a super job of that. It's um it's a, it's an astonishing piece, I think. As <laughs> is the other one you said about um ice cream cake. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed yeah. that as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good
1: one. <laughs> Again, just fully that's just taken from the uh, text generator. There wasn't much editing there. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's astonishing because I, I was thinking about asking you that question and I expect, genuinely expected you to say mm. that the phrases had been the AI and that you'd arranged them and, mm-hmm. the, you know, the stanzas are even and, yeah. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. <laughs> I did then yeah. loads of them and a lot of them aren't as usable um, sure. and user-friendly <laughs> and some of them are quite in- just enjoyed just to look at because it would just be these mm. ramblings of like it wouldn't be in stanzas or anything like that, but you could you can pull stuff out whereas these ones, yeah, they just came ready made.
0: So you said that most of these aren't published. This one has been virtual authentic animals. Yes. but would you consider publishing more of them?
1: It does feel like something I've just got out of my system and I'm kind of done with it. Um, okay. yeah. And I think I think I did send them off as a collection to a publisher early on. Again, it was that thing where you've just done something and it's like a weird urge to get it out there, but then regretted it and it wasn't published, which was good because it does feel like something I just needed to do for myself. Mm-hmm. And it worked, I think. It really, really <laughs> was really cathartic to do. And I think they're very odd. And again, and there needs to be a lot of context with them to understand mm. You need to know what the data, what the data entry was, and things like that. I think, and it, I do prefer it when when you're out of the room and you're not having to explain. So I think maybe yeah. it's better to just keep them <laughs> in their weird little on my computer screen. <laughs> yeah,
0: and as you say, their value is not necessarily in in being out there in the world. Yes,
1: yes, definitely.
0: So you do have some work um, that's been published just recently, though. It's not only unpublished stuff yes. that you've, you've got going on. <laughs> um, could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yes. So um, it's with Broken Sleep Books and it's called um, You've Got So Many Machines, Richard. It's, a, it's a, an anthology of poetry based on Aphex Twin, mm-hmm. which, again, I used the AI technology to write it inputting lots of Aphex twin information and lyrics and things like that and I love I I love glitches that happen with the technology which is which is what happened with this poem it's basically just the same line almost over and over but because it's repeated it sort of gives it even more meaning to what's said Mm. and again it's that thing of sort of to me it's it's sort of more moving (laughs) for some reason the computer the technology has has glitched and it just keeps saying just keeps repeating <laughs> instead of like oh are you okay <laughs> um so yeah that's just come out uh, with Broken Sleep Books.
0: So my first question here is for anyone who doesn't know could you describe a little bit about Apex Twin and maybe why why that was uh, your chosen or why he was your chosen subject?
1: Oh that's a really good question I think I've always been a fan mm-hmm. of the music and since I can remember, really, um, and I guess it kind of fits in with at the time, the tool that I was using was this technology. And I think it sort of weirdly coincided with AFX Twin and their concepts and things. Again, it was quite a quick one to do. Didn't take too long <laughs> with the old sure. uh, text generator to come up with something that I was really happy with. But again, there was a lot that was that was long rambling pieces. That would have been quite amusing as well, but <laughs> there's not much, not much space to publish that kind of thing.
0: And you said about uh, glitches and, and yes. that you were interested in that in technology almost as though that it, it made you feel concerned about whether or not the, the technology was okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's that feeling of like, do I need to intervene? Are you? <laughs> uh, it's, it's definitely, it's anthropomorphizing, isn't it? The, um, yeah. the computers, but uh, I guess that's what you do when you uh, live alone sometimes and you're locked lockdown. It's <laughs> <laughs> definitely something I started doing, um, you know, with the kettle and things and talking to microwave and stuff like that. But I think I'm coming out the other side of it now. <laughs> I've stopped using the online text generator so much and I'm just writing. But it was yeah. a really helpful tool for a long time,
0: definitely. I mean, I'd be impressed if your kettle and your microwave also write poetry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, they were talking to me, but they weren't writing yet. But maybe they will. <laughs>
0: And if you did if in a fictional world <laughs> yes these were to be published would it be just your name on them or would would the ai <laughs> be a, be a co-author oh
1: yeah there would be a there would be a slash ai but who comes first